Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. Welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. Here, we dive into topics that reach far beyond the salon. I'm your host, Misty Jane. I'm a life and money coach for stylists who are obsessed with personal growth. I help you enhance your mindset around money, build a business that lights you up, and create a life of peace. Me and my guests are on a mission to normalize the wealthy stylist while creating a safe space to be perfectly imperfect. Wanna join me? then you're in the right place. Hello there, friends. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist podcast. This episode, let me just tell you, I have been waiting to interview Andrew Carruthers for a while. Um, I found him when I was inside of a program. He was educating on a Um, video and I don't learn super well just watching videos but he educated and communicated what he was putting out there in such a way that I ended up like DMing him randomly and like telling him like thank you for the way that he teaches. So I finally, finally asked him to be on the podcast, and I hope that this is not the last time he is here. Andrew is an amazing, amazing person. He is teaching communication. He he is somebody that you want to keep an eye on. He's doing retreats around communication, and you need to go. It is on my list for 2024, um, and it's not hairstylist specific. I'm even going to bring my husband along, I think, next year for one of his um, for one of his retreats. So please enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, I want to let you know, one-on-one coaching, I am enrolling again. I'm looking for a couple private clients um, before 2024 starts. So if you have been wondering how to work with me or wanting to work with me personally, just one-on-one, okay? We can go money, we can talk business, boundaries. Honestly, I am a certified life coach. Literally anything that you are struggling with, if you listen to this podcast and you were like, oh my gosh, I just, I need Missy to help me find the confidence in my business and in my life and in the things and the direction that I'm doing, then this is going to be for you, okay? So you can go down and apply in the, um, I always wanna say link in bio, in the show notes um, and, and we can hop on a call and see if private coaching is for you. So 
With that being said, please, please, please enjoy this episode. I would love if you like it and enjoy it, share it, share it on your stories, share it with your friends. This is one to not be missed. Enjoy. Andrew, welcome to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. I'm very excited to have you today. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm super stoked to be here too. I'm very pumped for this conversation. I like to go deep about things, and I think this is going to um, take some really interesting turns. But before we start, tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, I'm Andrew Carruthers. <laughs> um, so this this is always kind of a tough one, honestly, Misty, because mainly what people would call me as a coach um, and that's what I kind of fall underneath is this word coach. I don't personally love that word just because it has no true definition. In fact, it's, it really has been severely watered down at this point where it, it almost has like a joke to it. It's like, Oh, you have a coach. Oh, cool. You, you know, or, Oh, <laughs> right. you're a coach, you know, and everyone's it, a coach. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and for me, because because of the way that I coach, I don't just coach. I also mentor. I also teach. I also guide sometimes. Um, my my training is very much in like um, what the International Coaching Federation would call really strict coaching, which is I don't share my opinions. I have no influence in the conversation. I'm just here to support you and coach you through to find your answers. Mm-hmm. So that's one part of what I do. But because most of the people that I work with seek me out because of my specific experiences, because of my specific skill set, I do a lot of mentoring where I do step up and say, well, hey, here's what I know about these kind of situations. Here are the things I've done in the past about these kinds of situations without necessarily influencing. I try my best not to step in. I'm actually quite careful to not step into a place of, hey, this is what you should do. Um, But mentoring to me is offering more openly like hey here's kind of my opinion on it and here's the the things i can offer you as far as training and support and those types of things so i would prefer honestly at this point to call myself a facilitator mm-hmm. but typically when people think of facilitator they just think of teacher which mm-hmm. i don't when i like teach... standing in the front of a room and just like talking basically yeah exactly and when i teach facilitation training that's one of the first things i talk about is if we want to be great facilitators facilitators do some straight teaching which is just like hey i'm going to share some information with you that's straight teaching mm-hmm. sometimes they step into peer coaching, which is, hey, I'm going to step back here and just ask you questions of what you discover for yourself. And sometimes they do mentoring, which is, you know what? I've done that before. I've had experiences with that that before. Here's what happened for me. Here's what I learned. What can you take from that? Where do you want to go with it? Mm-hmm. So for me at this point, I call myself a coach. This is this. Holy shit, this is a long-winded answer. But (laughs) I call myself a coach, but truly I'm more of a facilitator for um, specifically for people who are in positions of leadership, other facilitators, teachers, educators, and coaches. People that are in those positions to do 
the types of things that I do. Mm-hmm. So you were in the hair, are you still strictly hair industry? Or are you branching out into kind of a broader audience now? I would say that 90% of the people that I work with, they're still within the hair industry, just yeah. because that's where my biggest audience is. But right. yes, absolutely. I have branched out of that. Um, I've worked with photographers. I've worked with um, I've worked with sports coaches. I've worked with uh, a fitness guru. <laughs> I've worked with a handful of other people outside of the industry, which has been super awesome um because of everything that i've experienced within the industry it translates to a lot of those types of positions especially the positions that are kind of similar like there's still an artistic aspect a creative aspect to that those those types of work mm-hmm. um so it, it it feels really similar when i coach right. that so what do people come to you for now Cause I know that when I found you, if I remember correctly, oh my gosh, what was it? What were you teaching on? Oh, I wish I remembered. It was very hair specific though. I remember that. And I remember watching, I'm not like super good at learning, watching a digital course. Like that's mm-hmm. not, I'm not very good at that. And I remember watching you and being like, oh my God, like he could teach me anything and it would click in my brain. Like you just had this like teaching power that I had never seen through a screen before. I think I even reached out to you in DMs just to tell you, which I never like had done before. Um, but what do people reach out to you for now specifically? I, I still do have some people reach out for hair stuff um, yeah. because yeah, like I, I taught hairdressing for over 20 years. I taught hairdressing. So of course, and I'm so blessed because one of the great things about my career path with Sambia was, you know, the uh, I think I have like 150 or so videos on that YouTube channel and they're still out there. Right. In fact, just to like toot my own horn, Sam's most pop- popular video is still my video about. I am not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I mean. His, you know, twist cut fringe is, of course, real close second runner up. But (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. But um, since that content is still out there, I I still have people reach out and they're like, hey, can I get your thoughts or advice on hair or, you know, this thing? And which is great. I still do have one company, uh, um, Invisible Beat Extensions. My my friend Ken's who... uh, owns invisible beat extensions when i first called her up and i was like hey look kens i'm gonna kind of step away from like teaching hairdressing for a while and just focus on coaching she's like what do i have to do so that you don't stop teaching hairdressing for me (laughs) right (laughs) so are you still doing it yeah so i i still uh three times a year i help teach the master's course that they teach like i i helped them to develop a um, haircutting uh, curriculum like a foundational haircutting curriculum specifically for extension stylists It, it still takes people back to like the real true basics of like elevation over direction finger angle all of that kind of stuff but we frame it in a way to apply more specifically to extensions excuse me so since i helped co-create that um i want to continue to support that of course too so yes that's that's the one company i still do a little bit of hairdressing specific education but most 
most people that reach out to me at this point, like I said, are they're either leaders. I, I coach a lot of leaders, like salon owners, salon managers, things like that. Um, I do have people that are looking to become better facilitators or better coaches, better mentors. And the, the, the people that I think are attracted to me because it's what I put out there are people that are looking them to to incorporate both the inner work aspect of what they do with actual like skill sets and practices that they can put into play within the work that they do. So um you know we do that through inner exploration we do it through like you know self discovery practices breath work um lots of different approaches that way to do the inner work but then we're also training on actual skill sets like hey here's how to ask better questions or you know create more connection with with your audience so um yeah that's that's more what i'm getting people reaching out for currently do you feel like after 2020 people are focusing a little bit more on on mindfulness as well as action because i'm noticing there's a lot more focus on the kind of holistic idea of growth in general whether it's business or life or whatever and not so much just like just do this just do this you know and i mean i like what i'm seeing but i feel like i almost feel like 2020 kind of like forced it a little bit more <laughs> yeah no, I would I would a hundred percent agree with you, and I'm super excited to see that shift mm -hmm. too, because I'd say pre pre 2020, especially if I did get the opportunity into coach leaders, mm -hmm. they were really focused up here in the head. It was just like very analytical, very like, well, teach me a process on how to. Um, create better retention within my salon yeah and it's like uh, well we i mean yeah there's techniques for that but if you're kind of a miserable shithead inside th there's only so much we can do here you know? right and so yeah. yeah i think 2020 was a huge wake-up call for a lot of people i i really think we're going to look back at covid as like kind of an awakening point mm -hmm. for I think we already are the world you know yeah I know I've already looked at it that way you know it's like wow it, it did like it shook everyone up a little bit you know and yeah. so far I think it's for the positive um you know we'll see um yeah. <laughs> so before we started this uh you were talking about a book that you read recently and we're going to talk about this a little bit so I want you to kind of explain um to the listeners what you explained to me before we started recording because I'm very excited to dive into this a little bit more um you were talking about the fifth agreement which is the second book of the four agreements yes. so talk about that a little bit yeah so he he had written the four agreements which I think most of you out there that are listening probably have at least heard of that book. I would say that even most of you have probably read it or at least know a little bit about the book. I didn't even know that he, along with his son, had uh, co-written a second book called The Fifth Agreement. And I was talking, so my very close friend, Drea Hemmer, we 
we facilitate a workshop together called the alchemy of communication. It's a workshop that's kind of like what we were just talking about. It's the inner work of communication plus the skill sets on how to communicate better. She's very close with the sun. And we were just having this conversation. I was like, you know, the thing that I really hate about this self-help world is when people pick up a book they read it cover to cover and they look at it as like their Bible, like, oh my gosh, you know, this book, it's just filled with so much truth and I take it all in. And then they pick up the next book and they do the same thing with it. And it's almost like you hit this point of overwhelm of truth where it's like, uh, but wait, this book said this and this book said this, like, what do I believe and what is true and what's not true? And I have always... I would, I think I was just born with this kind of sense of skepticism. Like when I hear something for the first time, I have to process it for myself through my own filters first before I say, oh, you know what? Yeah, I really like this. I mean, sometimes things speak to me really quick, but um, I would say even those things still go through a filtering system. Mm -hmm. And I would say... It was probably like 2012, 2013, I had written this blog post and the blog post was titled the, um, or wait, what was it? The, uh, the trap of self, the trap of self help. Mm -hmm. And it was really a blog post kind of specifically about this. And we were talking about this and Drea was like, well, have you read, read the fifth agreement? And I was like, no, I didn't even know there was a fifth agreement. Like it's literally <laughs> so about this. Turned, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. she turned me onto the book. And so I'm currently reading it. And really, basically, the fifth agreement is be skeptical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the people that you consider your gurus, the people that you trust, the people that you love. I know that a lot of you listening, you look to you look up to Misty. Like she could say a lot of things that might even challenge you a little bit. But you'll hear it with a level of truth because you've built trust with her. Mm-hmm. And the point of the fifth agreement isn't to be in doubt. Like, that's not the point. It's not to be like, well, Misty, are you trying to trick me again? Like, right. it's not about that. It's each time we hear something, even if right off the bat, it's like, damn, that sounds good. I love that. It's like still step back and go, okay, where does that fit with my personal values, my personal belief systems, does it actually like resonate with what is at my core is my truth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this this has definitely been something that's been at the forefront of um, my just thought process and my visuals each day. Well, I've got two things on my mind when I hear you talk about this. One is I always say stay curious. And I, I I feel like that is kind of what this, like, it doesn't matter what you hear, like still be curious, like still ask questions, still kind of wonder. Um, and another thing that I, I think about when I hear this is like, what is going to be right for me is not going to always be right for you. So, uh, and really, and it's funny, I recently had given my husband a book. He's not a big reader. And I had given him um, Lewis Howe's um, Mask of Masculinity book. And I asked him how it was going and just started reading it. And he was like, well, it's interesting because he says in it that this is just his opinion. And I'm like, well, yeah, a lot of books are really just 
someone's opinion to a certain extent. I mean, some people have like educational backing behind it and things like that. But at the end of the day, right, like most people's words are kind of just an opinion to a certain extent. And I think that we forget that. And and I'm a huge reader. You can probably see, you know, yeah. my, this is, and this is just my my self-improvement book. Yeah. yeah. And it is interesting what you what you you do, you read something and you're like, you go all in on it and then you read something else and it almost like, wait a minute, should I have done this differently? So I find it really fascinating, um, this conversation, especially in the world of social media where yeah. people maybe aren't reading the books and they're just reading the quote or they're reading the caption or they're hearing a quick video and kind of completely like going all in on maybe a couple sentences, what would you say to somebody? I'm a big quote person. I love quotes. But mm -hmm. what would you say to me if that's kind of all I went off of? Like, what what else should I do? Like, what if there's something that resonates with me in a certain way, how do I stay curious? The What I love is in the book, Con Conversational Intelligence, um, Judith Glazer talks about this concept of double clicking. Mm. We we all have worked on a computer. We know what happens when we double click on something. It opens it up further. Mm -hmm. In this time that we do live in an age of quotes, and I don't get me wrong, I love the quotes. Mm -hmm. I also Same. get kind of upset sometimes when I'm like, this quote so severely oversimplifies a perception that is so complicated and so layered mm -hmm. that it kind of is upsetting to me because the people that do follow that person or trust that person, they are just going to absorb the quote as it is. They're right. not going to double click it. They're just going to go, oh, Lewis House said it. I love Lewis House. He is a guru. He, he, everything he says you know, he's really intelligent. He's well-researched, all of these wonderful things. He's got millions of followers. Mm -hmm. This must be right. That's right. kind of what the subconscious is doing. I mean, they're not logically thinking that through, but subconsciously, that's why they're, they're deciding to trust this particular quote. So I would do the Judith Glazer conversational intelligence concept, which is double click it every time. Mm -hmm. Start asking yourselves, well, what is it specifically about this quote that speaks to me? What is it that is a, is within this quote that makes sense and feels like truth to me? Mm -hmm. I would also suggest that you take the scientific method approach, which is what don't I like about it? What doesn't mm -hmm. fit? What might not actually work for me? Yes. Not to, not to like be resistant but just to add to the perspective of it, just to broaden the perspective of it. Um, that that would be my suggestion. I, it feels like that's, as I say that, that I feel like that's kind of my personal approach is just keep double clicking, keep double clicking, asking myself more questions. Because in the end, that's, that's where we have to check in is inside. We have to check yes. in with ourselves. Right. And it kind of goes back to the stay curious, right? Like, you, you know, why does this affect me in the way that it does? Because you do. Sometimes you see a quote and you're like, oh, I needed that, yeah. you know, but you can take almost any quote or anything that you see and kind of put it towards whatever you're going through. 
right? Like it doesn't all, sometimes like you see something and maybe, maybe you're having an altercation with somebody and you see a quote and you're like, oh my God, that that's how I feel right now. When, when then another situation happens, that's complete opposite. And you see the same quote and you're like, oh my gosh, now this describing this, like you can, you can almost make information work for you (laughs) if you really want to. Um, I think that I think that like really knowing yourself is a lot harder than it seems. Do you agree with me? You're you're striking a chord here, Misty. Yeah, it's what I do. (laughs) Um, I actually feel like this, this is, I don't want to call it an issue because that's, that's not the way I want to operate. I think it's, it's, something we have to pay closer attention to let me go that direction with it we we have abdicated so much trust into other people's opinions into other people's wisdom and we have disc in turn discounted our own every single person that is listening to this right now you have just as much richness of truth and wisdom in every fiber within your being that any of these influencers with billions of followers and really powerful, really overwhelming voices, you have every ounce of truth and wisdom within your body, within your cells that they do. The difference is they trust it more. Or, mm-hmm. and it, it might not even be that they do. I was going to say, sometimes, yeah, I was going to say, sometimes <laughs> um, that's not even the case. <laughs> right. They're just a sometimes. lot more loud with their opinion, mm-hmm. is is a lot of it. But the ones that we do, we feel connection to, the ones that we do feel that richness of authenticity from, because we can feel that, right? Like we can even feel it through a post, I think. Mm-hmm. Is this authentic? Is this real? But those, There's just this sense of trust and willingness to express what is truth to them. Mm -hmm. And here's a little trick, too. As you hear people and as you listen to people, kind of to the the point of double clicking, as you hear someone, including myself, because I have kind of almost a bad habit that I'm trying to break of this, is when someone says, look, the truth is dot, 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 in your head, Switch those words to my opinion and my experiences around this subject are Mm -hmm. then fill in the blanks Mm -hmm. because that's what they're expressing. When I say, hey, look, the truth is this. What I'm saying is my truth is my experience, my opinions are. And then I say what I'm going to say. So that's another little trick. Yeah, this is with everyone that you connect with. Um, I live in the realm and. And Don Miguel Ruiz would agree with me um, that everything is an opinion. Yeah. I I truly believe that everything period is an opinion. Yeah. I mean, I feel that it's, it's so interesting. Um, You know, the, the validation, that's the first word that came up to me, right. Is we're like constantly kind of looking for that validation. And when I heard you say like, you know, like we're listening to other people and not really listening to ourselves. A lot of the situations that we're in, like that we struggle with is because we've grown up listening to our parents and all the things around us. Right. And then we're still kind of continuing to do it 
in our adulthood when when you're so right like sometimes we just have to go what do i want what do i need but that's so hard sometimes like again i bring my husband up because this very weekend i i asked him i said what exactly do you want like if you could have any job you wanted if you could do anything he cannot answer he cannot this is not the first time i've asked him this he truly does not know professionally, what exactly it is that he wants. And I think there's so many more people out there that, that are more on his level of like, just Mm -hmm. really not knowing because we're constantly being fed what we should want or what we should do or what, you know, success looks like to them, again, their opinion. And how do you filter it out? How do I filter out the shoulds? shoulds. shoulds. Yeah. Yeah. The shoulds. (laughs) It's a good question because um, this is something that very often, this is what I address in my coaching really often mm-hmm. is this sense of when I hear my coaching client on the other side say, well, I should fill in the blank. Yep. My coach, um, Lynn Christian, who is also my mentor to learn to be a coach, she she would say, well, stop shooting all, shooting all over yourself. Yes. That was like her favorite favorite thing to say. <laughs> and so when I hear that word should, it's pretty quickly an alarm system. Sure. So my first question is, what is it that is telling you that you should? Mm-hmm. Whose voice is it that's telling you that that's right, wrong, good or bad? Because that's that's what should is. It's someone else's voice. And this is another thing that um, is in kind of the weeding up points to the fifth agreement is that we hear these things in our head as if they are our true authentic self speaking to us. What is speaking to you 95% of your day is your subconscious and your subconscious is just knowledge Mm -hmm. because your subconscious is just absorbing the world around you 24 seven through the senses, through your eyes, through your ears, through even your physical touch, even energetically, you are picking up the signals around you primarily about what is safe and is not safe. Mm-hmm. So 95% of your day is your subconscious portion of your mind running your day. There's 5% of the average human day that is conscious thought. And even that, that time that we spend in conscious thought is still mostly just contemplating those thoughts that were there already from the subconscious habits and behaviors. Mm -hmm. So it's really rare that we actually step back to this place of like, but wait, if I'm being really true to myself... Honestly, the first couple of times I ask people these types of questions are like, well, I don't even know who that is. Like if I really say like, hey, if you reach in to your most authentic, true, honest self, what do you really want here? Mm-hmm. And honestly, most people, I wouldn't say most, a lot of people, their first reaction is, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. And this brings us back to kind of the the thing that you were asking, the thing that strikes a chord with me is we don't know our true authentic selves because we spend so much time looking for other people 
and I'm holding up my phone for those of you that are listening, we, we spend so much time looking to other people to tell us who we should be, how we should think, what religion we should practice, what foods we should eat, what exercises are best for our body, which supplements we should be taking, what, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And there's so much information and there's so much noise and there's so many loud voices out there that, yeah, if that's what I'm trying to get information from, I'm going to be so disconnected from my personal truth because I am so inundated and so confused with the input of the outside world. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot, and especially with the phone. I mean, it, it is constant. I was thinking about that in my kitchen the other day. I have an Alexa with a video on it in our kitchen hmm. and it's constant advertisements of things we talk about. <laughs> just showing up unprompted. And it's like one thing when you're scrolling your phone and like, I'm very aware of like marketing and stuff, especially now with what I do, but, but it's like people who aren't, it's just like this constant, you're not enough. You need more. You need this. You need that. You need to fix this. You, you need to fix things now that you didn't even know were broken, yep. <laughs> like, you know? So what would you say to somebody who's struggling for their why or for their what they want. Like, like obviously some self-reflection needs to happen, but like what, what kind of either action steps or like things that they need to start thinking about or questions they need to start asking themselves to get to the root of that? Because it's not easy nowadays. I think one of the easy places to start, and I think one of the most important places to start is to ask ourselves what we value. Mm-hmm. If you go online right now and look up core values exercise, you're going to find tons of them. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go get my my coach, Linton Christian. She has her book. It has a core values exercise in it. Um, What's it called? Oh, it's just called Soul Salt, which is the name of her company. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So there's a core values exercise in there and there's lots of other stuff in there too that you guys would just love as far as personal exploration for sure. But I think that I, I call them guiding principles when I take people through this process. Establish a set of guiding principles. When I do this work with people, um, I've shifted a little bit and I take them into more of like a uh, we'll call it a guided meditation because that's what people are familiar with, but it's a guided exploration of your body's intelligence because mm-hmm. we have intelligence in our heart. We have intelligence in the gut. We have intelligence out in the nervous system down in the pelvic floor. Like there's, there's intelligence throughout our entire body. And so I, I take people through a process to tap into the body's intelligence because we we have to get out of the head brain. Um, well, not necessarily get out of it. We have to incorporate it with the other mm-hmm. intelligence. I like that. Really, what has to happen? Because everyone's like, "Get out of your head," and it's like, "Well, good luck." Well, you need that. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I take them through a process so they can get into a heart intelligence, which is really about what we, what we are passionate about, what we love. You know, when we, when we talk about passion, we always grip our chest, right? Mm-hmm. It's always. like we, we tell on ourselves as far as where we're thinking from. So when we think from our heart, we think of like compassion, empathy, connection, the things that we love, the things that we're 
uh, I'm passionate about. And uh, also the things that we really value in life. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is so important to me. You know, you guys listening, you can probably like, if you just put your hands on your chest, like you'll kind of feel that like, oh yeah, this is where I go and I want to feel what's really important to me. But then we also have like that deeper gut intelligence, you know, Misty, if you say like, well, I have a gut feeling, what what are you typically talking about? Yeah. My intuition or my like, like, yeah, my, my gut feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, feel, you, you, do, you feel it in your stomach. It's like in your diaphragm. You're like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is, it's like that intuitive part of us, that, that part of us that knows things that are true to us that we don't even know why we think that way or why we feel that way. It's just like, I don't know why I know this is right or why this is true, but I know it's true. Right. That's that deep gut intelligence. So if we can get into that space and start to harmonize that with the beautiful analytical and creative aspects of the head, if we can get those back into harmony and we can establish for ourselves, hey, here are my guiding principles. I believe in love. I believe in compassion. I believe in family. I believe in truth. I, you know, Whatever it is for you, authenticity, whatever it is for you. If you have that set of guiding principles, then when you do hear your favorite influencer put out some awesome quote, you go, oh, man, that really spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Check in with the guiding principles. Well, what's super important to you? Like what's so, what's so deep at your core that you just could never step away from that. Right. And how does that quote or that, um, you know, meme or whatever it is, what does that speak to within you? That's true for you. Because mm. if we, if we have that within us, we can get pulled off course a lot less. So when we do feel the should, because, you know, our our favorite motivational speaker, or our favorite writer says, well, you should be doing, you know, Tony Robbins has this thing where he's like, you know, basically, as soon as your feet hit the floor in the morning, you should be active. Like he has yeah. that, you know, he'll say like, I, you know, I have my running shoes right next to my bed and my feet don't even hit the floor. They go straight into my running shoes and I'm out the door, you know, and those types of things. That's a should. Right. That's his belief system and yes he is someone that yeah you should absolutely look to for some great advice and we should also check in with is it true for me is that is that's what is that going to be what's best for me personally Mm -hmm. yeah I struggled with that for a long time, especially when I first started getting into like self-improvement, you know, especially the morning thing, you know, a lot of people tell you like, you need to wake up earlier and blah, blah, blah. I'm not really a morning person. Like the only, I will get out of bed for a flight in a second, happy as anything. But you tell me that I need to get up a little earlier to meditate and like, like sit, like, I'm like, no, I'm just going to lay here. Um, and I finally just came to terms with it. Like I can still do things that are good for me and still do the self-care things and still like figure out what I need for me throughout the day without waking up at four o'clock in the morning. And like, and I don't know, it's, it, but it took a long time because I felt guilty. Like I yeah. felt almost like this, this, like I'm doing something wrong 
you know, and that doesn't help every other aspect of my day. Well, I've already ruined my day today because I didn't get up at four in the morning and meditate or pull cards or what, you know, whatever everyone says to do now. And it's like, so I think that we can get in our head again, the shoulds, and then we're kind of stuck in like feeling even more stuck than we were before we read the book or before we like listen to the person. So I think that's kind of fascinating. Do you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. That piece that you said, and I bet that some of the people that are listening to this probably even kind of had that, that hit too. When you said about the guilt mm-hmm. that comes in, this is huge. Because if we're in a sense of guilt or, you know, thinking that we are bad, we are faulty, we are whatever, that is a really hard place to to take action from. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, it actually takes us into a place of the nervous system that is, um, it's actually on the parasympathetic side, which they call kind of the rest and di- digest side. But if if you are into nerdy stuff like this, there's a thing called polyvagal theory. And mm-hmm. Stephen Porges kind of created this concept of polyvagal theory. So we used to think that the nervous system just had these two sides. It had the sympathetic side, which is the fight or flight side. And it has this parasympathetic side, which is the rest and digest side. And everyone kind of made the sympathetic side of the nervous system the bad guy and the parasympathetic side the good guy. And there is some truth to that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, need, we need harmony of both. So uh, on the parasympathetic side, we we have two stages of, uh, or kind of two specific kind of phases of the parasympathetic side. So we have uh, what's called a ventral vagal, which is kind of the upper portion of, of the parasympathetic portion of the nervous system. And that is... Like kind of where you and I right are right now, we feel very connected with you, with each other. I feel very safe with you. I think you feel very safe with me because mm-hmm. of the way that you're interacting with me. You know, even though we're just looking through a camera, I can feel your eye contact. Like this is called ventral vagal. We feel peaceful. We feel connected. We feel safe. This is a beautiful space. Mm-hmm. When we start to feel threat. We typically, that's when the sympathetic side of the nervous system comes into action because it wants to get us ready to either fight for our life or run away. Right. Or some version of that. Some people call it fawn. Some people call it appease. Like there's other things that people add to it. Once we get to a place that we feel overwhelmed by the threat, we actually dump back into the parasympathetic side of the nervous system but we go into this place called dorsal vagal where we do nothing yes this is shut down (laughs) this is i want to hide underneath my covers wallow in my sorrow just sit here and go god you're so fucking lazy why do you do this blah 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 that's dorsal vagal that's Mm -hmm. just shut down and protect myself right we don't understand I'm going to say this. I know that I do have a, a certain a certain breadth of influence within the group of people that pay attention to me. Mm-hmm. I've been a hell of a lot more conscious about this specific thing. 
It's why most of the time when I post things, you will see me use the words we and us instead of you. Mm. Because I want you to understand that I'm on your team. I'm there with you. I'm not telling you how you should and should not live your life. I'm talking about we as humans have this collective experience. And here's what we can do. Here are the possibilities. Here are the potentials. That is my goal. (laughs) I don't know that I always do it. But that's my goal. So let me just say this. If you are someone out there who's, who has an audience, and think about this, this could, this could just mean the audience is the staff of your salon. It could mean your kids. It could mean your husband. Mm-hmm. We have an audience in some way. I want to call you in to be more conscious that the way that you approach these things can directly affect someone else's nervous system and the state of their nervous system just in how you present a concept. If I present a concept to you with the sense of, well, if you're not doing this, good luck out there. Right. If I don't want to do that, I have struggled with doing that all my life. It could be something as simple as getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Because, of course, yes, that's what every, you know, lifestyle influencer is going to tell you. You got to get up earlier and you got to do this if you want to be healthy. And if I can't do that, guess what? I'm going to feel shitty about myself. Yes. And now you have actually just made my situation worse by making me feel crappy about it. Well, it's validated what I've already felt about myself in the first place, (laughs) rather than empowering, you know, to be, do something different. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm inviting all of us in to just be more conscious about that. You know, it's, there's ways to, there's ways to place things in front of people for their consideration versus just telling them, if you don't do this, then you're going to be lazy. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. But that's what gets attention. That right. kind of like aggressive or face, like um, combative, it gets attention. Yes. Just be careful. If you are someone that has a lot of empathy for other people and compassion, and you want to uplift the people that you speak to, just just pay attention. Be conscious of where that comes from. Super. So that's funny that you brought this up because I, um, you know, with my topic of money, it's obviously very, it's a very like um, thin ice topic in general. I'm sure. And, you know, you've got the Dave Ramseys who are just, you just feel like you're being shamed. Right. And then I just got, what is the other guy? Remit, Remit, I forget his last name. Um, You know what I'm talking about? He has a Mm -hmm. show on Netflix. So I just got his book. Because I love reading other people's books and like seeing how they talk. He shames just as much. And I was very disappointed at that because I, again, I, you know, I, I kind of hate on Dave Ramsey because of that, because it's like, you've already have people in a very vulnerable position. You already have people who, again, you know, feel like they can't accomplish something or whatever. And I, I don't love the scare tactics of like getting them to change. And so I'm reading this other book and he's, like somebody's like, you know, running up the balance on their credit card and he's calling them like dumb Dan. And I'm like, why are we doing this? Like, why? you know, like I get it. Like, I mean, the book, it's very, 
it reminds me of an advertisement in itself, just the way that it's Mm -hmm. laid out. But it's like, I understand that you're trying to get a reaction, but there has to be another way. And for some, it obviously works. Some people maybe need that, but not everybody, you know, which I mean, I guess it's why there's so many different people out there because what might work for you isn't going to work for me and vice versa. Um, But I just think it's really interesting that there is this like, it's you got to have the hook right? Like you got to reel people in and then shove the information at them. And I don't know. I just don't feel like it has to be that way. And I don't know, maybe I'm naive to the world. Do you feel like it has to be that way? No, it it doesn't have to be that way. But unfortunately, culturally, we have established that pattern. We have established that habit. Excuse me. For us to break that cultural habit, to great and to break that cultural pattern, it is going to take people like you and I who are just going to recognize that I'm not going to take that path. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. There is a reason that those people take that path, and it's because it is incredibly Faster. successful. Yes. Yes. At hooking, just like you said. Right. Because there's there's two motivators, right? Like I'm sure you kind of talk about this with money. There is the escape of pain and there's the pursuit of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Depending on where you're at within your life, one or the other is going to be more motivational. Most of the time, when people look for self-help, when they go out looking for a financial book, it's not because they actually have a pretty healthy financial life and they're just trying to make things a little better. It's usually because they've completely fucked their credit. They've got $30,000 in debt. You know, I mean, that's why I looked for financial help. Oh yeah. (laughs) Same. Yeah. Same. They're looking for answers. They're looking for help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing across the board with self-help. Very few people call me as a coach. I wish more people would call me as a coach when they're doing great Mm. and want to just continue to expand their world because I could be infinitely more beneficial to that person who is already feeling fantastic and wants to just continue that expansion. Most 99.9% of the people that are going to call me up to coach is because something's bad. And they want help. They want they because they're in pain now. Right. So as a coach, I could take the approach of like dig into that pain, just really scoop into that pain, really make it juicy. Aren't you tired of feeling lazy? Aren't you tired of laying under those covers, hating yourself and you know, losing your relationships and I could dig into all that juicy stuff and you will buy anything I want to sell you. Yeah. I'm not willing to do it, Misty. I'm Uh, just not going to fucking do it because that's not okay to me. I agree. It doesn't fit with my personal core values. And that honestly means that maybe I'm not going to be as successful as the coach that is willing to. Maybe I'm not going to get the Ferrari and the big houses that they flaunt for their six-figure coach program, mm-hmm. but I just don't care. I was going to say, you don't want that I'm anyway, about. do you? Yeah. No, <laughs> it's not what I'm motivated by, but kind of great circle back to the beginning of our conversation. 
The only reason I can make that decision for myself and kind of stick to my guns about this is because I know what's important to me. Yes. Because I wake up every single day and reflect on that. I spend time going, okay, remember what's important to you. Remember who you are, what you represent, how you want to speak to people, how you want to show up in front of people, how you want people to feel when they're around you. Like Mm -hmm. these are the things that I do practice every single day because without it, I will absolutely get caught up in the crap just like everyone else does because we are human and that's what we do. Mm -hmm. We just, it's so human to do those things. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Well, I, I, I feel like we're in, I feel like I, I should say, am in a long game. Like I know that it's not a fast game. It feels Mm -hmm. like longevity to me when it feels good to me, you know? So like, sure. Like same thing. I could do the hook. That'd be easy with money. Easy. You know what I mean? But it doesn't feel good. Like I don't want to do the funny reels joking people because they're broke. Like that doesn't feel good to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm okay with that. But I, it's interesting because I, even though I know what I want, right. I know, I remember having a coach and they asked me what was my thing is I know I figured out what I want when somebody asked me what really brings you joy. When was Mm -hmm. the last time you really, truly felt joy? And I think about that every time I'm like kind of unsure of myself, what really brings me joy? Cause that's really what I want more of. And, um, and I find myself even like, should I want that? Should I want the big car? The, you know what I mean? Should I like, like almost like something's wrong with me? Cause I don't want that. Yeah. You know, and that, and it's so fascinating to me that like my mind will go there when I'm like, no, I, don't, I don't want, I don't want what I have to do to get it. I don't want, like, I don't even, I don't even like it. But like, because these people have it, should I, should quotes up again, should I want that? And it is, it's a all, it's a struggle, um, less of a struggle these days than it was maybe two years ago. Uh, but I think it takes time and you got to get comfortable kind of going, nope, that I don't, nope, that's not for me. That's for that person. And maybe that works for them. And maybe it doesn't, we don't really know it's social media, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, but another thing I wanted to ask you, so when you're talking about the body, right, Mm -hmm. we talk a lot, a lot of people talk about getting out of your comfort zone, doing things that scare you, whatever, what, what, what do you say about like, if somebody feels that anxiety, right, they're doing something new, all the nervous systems freaking out and they take that as they shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. what would you kind of, sp- I want you to speak on that a little bit, because I think for a long time in my past, the anxiety stopped me from doing things where now the anxiety almost makes me want to do it more. Like if I say something out loud and I feel a little bit of anxiety, I'm like, oh my God, I think that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. What w- I don't know if that's the right or wrong, but so far it served me, <laughs> like, you know, so, um, but what would you say to the person that isn't quite sure how to tap into their body and know if it's, you know, a feeling of like, keeping myself safe for real or Mm -hmm. stepping out of the comfort zone. Yeah. Can, can I ask you a few questions to to kind of help clarify this? Yeah. So you said that there was a point that the, the sense of anxiety, it would keep, keep you from taking action. And then at some point you did something different and Mm -hmm. now things, you have a certain type of feeling that you call anxiety that feels motivating. 
Mm-hmm. That that sense of anxiety that feels motivating. What's the difference between that and something that fe- feels fearful, where it's like, oh hell no, yeah, I'm not doing that. What's the difference between those two? Mm, that's a good question. I think, I mean, I think before I had never done anything I was super proud of. So that that racing heart and kind of almost nauseous feeling felt unsafe. Where now I know I've learned enough of, to know that that's just something new that's like kind of scares me a bit, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's like validating my fears. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've you've recognized that sometimes when the nervous system reacts, it it just means different. It yes. doesn't necessarily mean bad or harmful, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really great point because that is true. The, the the response systems within our body are still pretty prehistoric. <laughs> or not prehistoric, primitive. Right. Um, there's different centers within the body. Like you have the amygdala within the brain that um, they, they kind of believe is the internal alarm system. Um, so all of you have probably had the experience that you're dead asleep, something happens and you wake up and the internal alarm system is going off mm-hmm. and you sit up in bed and you kind of like you listen, look around, nothing's happening. Everything's okay. You start to calm back down. You go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. What happened is something in the environment that typically happens throughout the night or is normal, like normal sounds, the, the creaks and the cracks that your house makes every single night, your senses and your nervous system and your amygdala and everything, they know, oh, those are normal. Those are just normal sounds. Mm-hmm. But let's say it, it's a super cold night or something and it gets really cold and something in the roof kind of like twists and cracks a little bit differently. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The senses in the internal alarm systems, because that's different, say, hey, wake up, there could be danger here. Mm-hmm. It's like my cat throwing up this morning. That's literally what woke me up in the middle of the night. I could just hear it. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's a perfect <laughs> oh, example. A terrible sound, too. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> and you don't know where they are. They could be on top of you. Like, it's so bad. <laughs> Am I going to wake up with a hairball on my chest? <laughs> <laughs> totally. But a good Ooh. example. <laughs> So the the nervous system, the amygdala, all of, all of these pieces of the puzzle that are our ability to, oops, sorry, to keep us safe, it doesn't really have a good sense of, uh, is this good, bad, uh, right or wrong? Is it a realistic fear? Or is it just something from our past? It, it doesn't really have the ability to do that. So what it sounds like to me, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, your experience of at some point stepping in and you felt the fear, but you did it anyway. Great book, yeah. by the way, by the way, feel the fear and do it anyway. But at some point you said, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to go for it, even though I'm afraid of it. And on the other side, you got the physical response of, oh, wow, I did it. I faced that fear and I didn't die. 
my my stories were wrong. Like the world didn't fall apart because I did actually take action on this or whatever fears were, were coming up in the background. Now, because you have had that experience, you can feel that same sense of anxiety. You can feel that same sense of a um, little bit of fear of the unknowns out there, but you have experience to go and... Um, that's exciting. I know that there's something awesome on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. So what you've been able to do because you had the experience is you, you, in a, if I took you into like a deeper kind of like um, multiple brain integration exploration, you could probably define it just a little bit more for me. You'd probably be able to say, well, like it's kind of almost like a tingling in my chest or it's like butterflies in my stomach or something like that. But then we could take you to a situation um, just to kind of put something out there that I think most people have experienced. You know, you're just walking down the street or something like maybe you're in a big city that's new to you or something. And you go to like turn the corner to your hotel and something happens you're like, ooh, I'm, I'm going to go this way mm. instead. And then like the next day you find out there was a mugging on that street or something like that. Or, you know, I've had a, like when I'm driving in a car or something, I'll be like, uh, I'm, I'm just going to take this route to work today. Right. Like that internal intuition. of Yeah. yeah. And, and if we take you in, into that experience, it's going to feel very different within your body. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily consciously have to, um, be able to identify the differences all the time. But the more you experience the difference, the more the body becomes familiar. So there's a version of what what the words that you put to it are. There's a version of anxiety that happens for you that you can now can recognize that particular sensation as this is okay anxiety. Like this is excitement anxiety Mm -hmm. versus... There's probably a very different version of what you might also call anxiety, where it's like, no, Misty, this is not for you. Like, right. step back, run away, get out of here. Like, yeah. this isn't worth it. So it's it, it comes back to this concept of having, having a deeper relationship with our body so that we can start to recognize the difference because like I said, the the primitive systems that are in place to keep you safe, which is really the primary function of the mind and the body is to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. Those primitive systems are really not good at being specific with, Hey, this is good anxiety. This is bad anxiety. This is safe anxiety. That's exciting. This is really scary shit that like you really need to listen to. Right. You know, it, it doesn't make those distinctions for us. We we have to be more conscious about understanding those signals. Yes. And I love that. I, I I guess I never really thought about the fact that like I kind of ignored the fear, did things anyway, and like and you know what I mean? Like I never really thought about, oh, I've been literally like building up that muscle. I guess is the best way yeah, to that's think a great about way it. to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not saying it still doesn't happen, you know, or still doesn't happen, you know, a little more intense. Like before my um I had a, my very first like speaking gig last year and I thought I was going to vomit for like <laughs> 3 hours beforehand. Like I literally was like, "Oh my god, I'm not going to be able to get through this." 
moment I was up there, I was perfectly fine. The moment it was over, I was great. Like, and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, you know, that's a perfect example of like doing something scary and then going, wow, that was actually like, why was I so scared? I mean, you know, so I love that. I, I feel like I could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> so, um, I really, really enjoy what you're doing. I love what you're saying on Instagram. I mean, I almost want to hire you now as my coach <laughs> from this conversation. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Do you have anything that you want to direct them to give them all of the information? Okay. Thank you. Um, of course my website's a, a great source of information to be completely honest, it is it is due for an update because I, I created this really wonderful um, website that felt very authentic to me um, a couple years ago. Yeah, at the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I have I have refined my what I do and who I work with and how I do those things much more since then. But you can still get a sense for what I do at the website. It's just the journeyist dot life. And I'll put this in the show notes as well. Okay. And then uh, social social is a great place. Instagram kind of specifically is where I spend most of my time, you know, kind of speaking of all the shoulds Misty is like, uh, you know, I, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. I, I, I yep. think he's so awesome. Same. And I do very often walk away from his thing and feeling that sense of like, oh, well, I should be on LinkedIn and I should be on TikTok and I should be this and I should be that. And mm -hmm. once again, it comes back to, I don't have to be. Right. And I'm okay with the fact that, yes, maybe I am missing some people that I could speak to if I was on more platforms, but that would also require me to direct more of my time, more of my lifeblood, more of everything about me into that process and that part of the trade-off isn't worth it for me yes. i'd rather spend more time with my family and just that's that's my personal priorities i'm not saying that should be your personal priorities i'm just saying that's the process i've gone through with that type of thing is yes i quote unquote should be posting more often, more consistently, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And from a marketing standpoint, yeah, that would be absolutely smart for marketing. Mm -hmm. Does it also have a cost to it with the time that I actually have dedicated to my own personal development? Mm -hmm. and, and again, this isn't a should for anyone else. But there's about an hour and a half to two hours of every single day that is just for me. Mm -hmm. It is my personal development time. It is med meditation. It's good food. It's exercise. It's sitting on the couch with my dogs and drinking coffee with my wife. That is just as important to any paycheck or is significantly more important to me, actually, than yeah. any paycheck I'll ever get. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how I make my decisions now. That's also what I support people to do for themselves. And maybe that means that their personal dedication is 15 minutes of personal dedication. And it's an hour and a half after work of, hey, we sit down at the dinner table. That's what we do or, you know, whatever it is. But that's what I help people discover for themselves. 
Yeah. How do how do we find that that harmony and actually prioritize those things? Because the other thing that happens too is we say, well, of course my personal health is my priority. And of course my family is my priority. And of course, but what actually gets prioritized when someone asks for you to stay light and mm-hmm. take that next appointment? Yeah. We don't think of it that way, but that's what we're saying, at mm-hmm. least in my belief system. That's what we're saying to the universe. Yeah. I'm not going to go home and have dinner with my family. I'm going to stay here and do this last haircut. My message to the universe in that moment is because that's more important to me than sitting at the dinner table with my Mm -hmm. family. Well, saying yes to something is saying no to something else. Yeah. That's what I always think. What am I saying no to right now? Yeah. Mm, I love that. That's my belief. Yeah. Take it as that. I mean, that's a pretty uh, good one though. Just saying. (laughs) Andrew, thank you so, so, so much. Um, I hope to have you on here again, again. I, if you ever think of a topic or if somebody's listening and you know you have a topic that you would love for him to talk about, I will gladly harass him to come on again. <laughs> um, and hopefully he enjoyed himself enough to want to do that. And I'm putting it oh, out there totally. publicly just so I can say. You know? <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Publicly, I say... Yes, I'll come back on. You don't have to harass anyone. I'm, I'm all Perfect. for it. I, love I won't really place. harass you, but I mean, I'll definitely maybe send a two two DMs in a row. <laughs> Andrew, thank you so much, um, and I will I will chat with you again soon. Awesome, thank you, Misty, and thank you for those of you that are listening to give me the opportunity to just share some of what I love to talk about. Once again, thank you for listening to the Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of my listeners more than you know. If you like what you hear, please screenshot this episode, share it with a friend, share it on social media, and don't forget to tag me, Misty Jane, and the podcast at Cash Confident Stylist Podcast. You can even take it a step further and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Talk with you on the next one.